0: Solidarnosc: The Workers' Movement and the Rebirth of Poland in 1980 to 81 by Mark Osborne. 1970 on the northern coast. Gomulka, raised to power and popularity by his opposition to the Soviet state in 1956, was now only in power because of Soviet backing. He was seriously weakened and his rule would last only until the events of late 1970. On Saturday, the 12th of December, 1970, Warsaw announced major price increases with immediate effect. Meat, already in short supply, became more expensive, rising in price by 17% two weeks before Christmas. The party had raised prices in this way three times before, in 1953, 59, and 65. The theory was that if the price rises were staggered, there would be panic buying and hoarding and a boost to the black market. The opposition movement grew from Monday morning. Party offices were attacked by shipyard workers in the port of Gdansk, formerly Danzig. Later in the week, strikes and occupations spread across northern port cities. Street fighting took place in Gdynia and Szczecin, with dozens shot down, including 13 on their way to work in the Paris commune yard in Gdynia. In the port of Szczecin, formerly the German city Stettin, in the far northwest of Poland, workers' action was taking place in 120 workplaces. Workers had formed a town-wide strike committee which ran supplies and kept order. The Shoshesian workers demanded, for the first time, independent trade unions under the authority of the working class. Under pressure from the workers and from the Soviet leadership who were demanding a peaceful solution, Gamolka had a stroke. Gamolka was replaced by Edward Jarek, a party boss from Upper Silesia. The Russians preferred Jarek to Moksha, the vociferous Polish nationalist. Jarek went on television and apologised. He also promised wage increases for the lowest paid and a price freeze. That calmed the situation for the period, but the movement erupted again in January 1971. By mid-January, meetings in the coastal shipyards and factories were demanding justice for those killed in December and the release of those arrested, in addition to questions of wages and prices. The government had mobilised 61,000 soldiers and used 3,000 tanks and armoured cars against the Workers' Rebellion, and at least 40 workers had been killed and over 1,000 wounded. Strikes began to break out again in Gdansk on the afternoon of the 24th of January Jerek and his new prime minister Pyotr Jeevich turned up at the occupied Vorsky yard in Szczecin. They debated the strikers for nine hours and repeated their performance the next day in Gdansk. Jerek begged for the workers support and eventually got it. Jerek insisted however that the price rises of December had to remain. he backed down when the women textile workers of Lodge, struck in mid-February and the old food prices were restored on the 1st of March 1971. Neil Acheson commented, December 1970 also confirmed a split in the Polish opposition. Intellectuals took almost no part in the events. In March 1968, the students of Gdansk Polytechnic had announced, we solidarize ourselves above all with the Polish working class, but they received no support from that class. In December 1970, the shipyard workers marched at the Gdansk Polytechnic and called on the students to join them but they stayed indoors the movement of december 1970 to february 1971 was of workers alone the movement of 1968 was students alone the aftermath of the events of 1970 question what's the difference between gomulka and gierek answer there is no difference only gierek does not understand that yet The party's 8th plenum assembled in February 1971. Gomulka was suspended from the Central Committee and his allies, Klishko and Jashuk, were expelled. Moksha survived until later that year before being removed. His partisan faction then finally crumbled and disappeared. Jerek, previously leader of the Technocrats faction in the party, now focused on raising living standards as a route to social stability. In the early 1970s, growth rates increased, as did real wages, by 40% in the first half of the 70s, and the production of consumer goods, including fiat cars made under licence. The USSR gave hard currency credits so Poland could buy from the West, and the US gave credit to buy grain. In 1972, national income rose by 10%. In 1973, the rise was even higher. It became easier to travel abroad, to the West, and easier to get dollars. Further market reforms freed up agriculture. Peasant taxes were cut and compulsory selling to the state was abolished. There were yet more attempts to decentralise industrial management. Plants in the same industry were grouped together and managers were given power to vary wages and reward increased productivity. Western industrial equipment imports averaged $100 million per year under Gamulka. In the early 1970s, this figure multiplied rapidly. By 1974, it stood at $1.9 billion. Production was hit by the oil price hike after 1973. Poland's foreign debt was 700 million in 1970. By 1975, it stood at 6 billion. The easing of censorship in 1971 was gradually reimposed. Shortages began to appear in shops as the state channeled good for export in an attempt to control the balance of trade. The party further centralised control, reined in the industrial decentralisation, and attacked the peasantry's right to inherit. The Explosion, June 1976. The price of meat had been frozen in 1970, and the freeze remained intact until mid 1976. The state feared popular rebellion. On the 24th of June, the Prime Minister, Pyotr Jarasevich, announced meat price rises of around 70%. Sugar was to double in price, butter and cheese were to rise by 60%, poultry and vegetables were to go up by 30%, rice by 150%. The state prepared for trouble by mobilizing the army and militia. On the day before the announcement, the army took to the streets of Gdansk in a show of strength. Some political dissidents and known workers' leaders were conscripted, including Jasek Kuron. By now, the workers had learned that they had the power to stop such rises by going into the streets in large numbers. The next day, masses of workers struck, demanding the increases be rescinded strike committees were formed in many enterprises. The strike only lasted a single day before Yarosevich was back on television to concede defeat. The party had suffered a serious blow and its authority was further eroded. Jerek would have liked to have got rid of Yarosevich, blaming him for the crisis. He was constrained because Yarosevich was close to the Russians. At the tractor factory in Ursus, a working-class suburb of Warsaw, most of the workers had stopped work, The workers had struck in February 1971 in response to the last round of increases. At 9am, a a senior manager and the party secretary at the plant, Stanislav Moshikovsky, had been surrounded and the woman worker had slapped both the manager and secretary. Workers joined with people from the town to occupy the rail lines and prevented the Paris-Moscow Express from moving. 1,000 demonstrators sat on the track. The workers had not been troubled by the police during the day and the protest had been peaceful. Later, after 8pm, after the workers had won and begun to disperse, they were violently attacked by the police and ZOMO paramilitary units who used great violence. The police riot lasted all night and many workers were beaten up and assaulted while in custody. It turned out the police spies had mixed amongst the crowd, marking protesters with with a solution visible under ultraviolet light which was used to identify some of the leaders. The largest protests were in Radom, southeast of Warsaw. The strikes began at the Walter metal factory which produced small arms and ammunition. When the workers attempted to arm themselves, they failed because the boss, factory director, Skujapek, had moved all the ammunition to a local airbase. After eight thirty AM workers began to leave the factory to visit other local factories. Workers at a tin can factory, leather workers, and workers from a heating factory joined in. Marching with red and white flags and singing the Internationale and the Polish National Anthem, they marched down May 1st Street to the PZPR committee building. Chanting, we want to eat, they were joined by students, housewives and workers from tobacco plants, rail repair, telephone and many smaller factories. By 9.40, there were 6,000 workers in front of the PZPR office. Deputy Secretary Adamczyk came out and told them he would not discuss with a rabble. A woman with a child stepped out of the crowd and told him she was a widow with three children and she could not afford to feed them. She asked him how much he made. Adam Chick told her if she was so concerned about her children she should have left them at home, at which point she took her shoe off and began to hit him on the head with it. Adam Chick demanded they pick a committee so he could negotiate. A woman worker shouted, Yes, so then you'll know how, who to arrest. A man stepped out from the crowd saying his work clothes were filthy and he could only afford one set of clothes per year, when he needed four. He demanded to know how much Adamczyk's clothes cost. The crowd then started chanting, "Strip him!" A group of young workers did precisely that, and Adamczyk fled back to the party building in his underwear, followed by a barrage of stones and rubble. By mid-morning, barricades were being built and the mood swung against the party. Bonfires were built and many threw their party cards on it. The red flag was removed from the building and the Polish national flag hoisted. By midday, the state was airlifting SB officers and army forces with special riot equipment into the area. When meat supplies were discovered inside the party building and then displayed to the crowd, demonstrators began to systematically destroy the party's HQ. As the building burned, ZOMO units and firefighters tried to get to the building. More barricades went up and the crowd, now estimated at 40,000, attacked with Molotov cocktails and stones. A meat factory was overrun and ham marked for export was looted. 24 vehicles were destroyed and 75 police injured in the fighting at Radom. An unknown number of workers were killed or injured, but in the aftermath 2,000 were arrested in the Radom area. On the coast, in the tri-city area of Gdansk, Gdansk, Gdynia and Sopot, the workers in Gdynia began a sit-in strike early in the morning. Workers from Gdynia went to Gdansk and blocked the entrance as the shifts changed. The Gdansk workers also began to strike. The regional party secretary, Tadeusz Fischbach, together with the State Union representative, went to meet the workers. Fishback began, comrades, and was met by... Comrades, that is you, the bureaucracy, the dictatorship's people. The workers demanded to know how much fishback earned. Others said they didn't want to have to work 300 hours a month in 12-hour days simply to feed their families. The, the Gdansk shipyard workers, aware of their strength, demanded that Jerek come and see them immediately. They declared they would not leave the yard, and by 1pm they, almost unanimously, had called for a general strike to start at 9am the following morning. Strikes also took place in Plok, Grugiaj, at the repair shipyard in Szczecin, a power plant in Grafino, a bearings factory in Poznan, and in many other towns across the country. In Lodge, a textile centre which had been a strike centre in 1971, at least 16 factories were hit by industrial action but no workers went out into the streets. They were wary of being shot down. A speech made to a mass meeting by Zydislav Bednarek, a workers' representative at the Transformer and Traction Apparatus Factory in Lodge, was later reprinted. He said that the workers had promised to help jerek in 1971, but had been let down. The consultations with the workers that had been promised had not happened. Those responsible for the economic crisis should be held to account. He said that no one wanted a repetition of the bloodshed of 1970 and that the workers did not want to return to capitalism, but they did want free trade unions and parliamentary democracy. The strike had won, and the workers immediately returned to work, but now the state took its revenge. Strike centres were subject to serious repression. The European TUC estimated that 20,000 people lost their jobs and 6,000 were arrested. The party held a series of mass meetings in support of the government, In Gdansk, an official demonstration was held and attended by managers and office workers and party members, often bussed in from outside. When the march reached the main square, bystanders laughed at them. At the Ursus Tractor Factory, the party's factory committee secretary gave a speech blaming the trouble on anarchists, brawlers, enemies of the true working people, old malcontents, troublemakers, drunkards, provocateurs and hooligans. Over the next few months, groups of Ursus workers received harsh prison sentences. Perhaps as many as 1,750 workers were dismissed. In Radom, police roundups went on for several weeks. Activists suspect that the police also murdered three people in the days after the riot. In July and August, 26 workers were sentenced to between two and ten years in jail. Within ten days, a lesser court had tried 5,000 others who often faced fines or three months in jail. Elsewhere, there were mass sackings. At the Lenin shipyard in Gdansk, two to four hundred workers were sacked. Workers were dismissed at four factories in Warsaw, three hundred were sacked at fourteen factories in Lodz. The situation was similar in other strike centres. The theme of these strikes were, skilled workers taking the lead, the demands being mainly economic and the strikes quickly subsiding once the government caved in and removed the rises. Unlike 1970-71, when the strikes were mainly confined to the Baltic coast and Lodz, the movement of June 1976 was national. The workers were often reluctant to elect strike committees, which would later mean the bosses had a list of people to arrest. The state had also learned lessons from 1970. The state forces did not use firearms and the army was kept out of the fighting. ZOMO paramilitary police forces were used widely for the first time. 1976, the aftermath. Core, the intellectuals link with the workers. In the wake of the events of June 1976, a massive expansion of opposition activity and organisation took place. Unique in the Eastern Bloc, a large number of industrial workers took part. The Church also protested. Vyshinsky defended the victimised workers and demanded an amnesty in July 1976. Clubs of Catholic Intelligentsia, KIC, were active. Activists who became the core of the Workers' Defence Committee, KOR, Corps Komitet Obrony. Robotnikov, began to work to provide legal, medical and financial support from the first trial of Versus workers, which began in the 17th of July 1976. They also began to publish open letters and manifestos in defence of the workers. The first was the Declaration of the Fourteen in Solidarity with the Workers, which was published immediately after the June violence and was sent to the Sedgham Parliament. The declaration of the 14 demanded free association, a free press, and real representation of the workers. Since the official union organisation, the CRZZ, had shown its ill ability to do so. Money came initially from Warsaw intellectuals, but the appeal quickly spread across the country and included priests making collections.
1: Two committees
0: were set up abroad to raise funds. In the first year, they gathered a large sum, the equivalent of $47,000. Work in support of Radon workers began a little later, in September. The final impulse to found Corps followed the detention of support workers attending a trial in Radon. The worst treatment was dissed out to a Jewish activist who was subject to anti-Semitic abuse and knocked unconscious. In September 1976, 14 intellectuals, mainly from Warsaw, founded Corps. Their initial members were deliberately older and with some social prominence as a limited precaution against state repression. The majority of the committee had been politically active in the interwar period. Nine had been active in the non-communist resistance movement during World War II and five had been active in the Polish Socialist Party. The younger members were largely from the student generation of the 1960s. Czaszek Kuron was slightly older. The ideas and activity were led by Kuron and the younger generation. Cause members declared themselves openly, publishing their home addresses and phone numbers. Pyotr Jaroszewicz, the Prime Minister, ridiculed the new group. We can only laugh at them. By mid-1977, Radio Free Europe estimated there were 1,000 core activists and thousands of sympathisers. In April 1977, the state began a phase of serious repression, and the next month, core activist Stanislav Pijas, a student at Krakow University, was killed, probably by the police. A student solidarity committee, SKS, was founded independent of the state student front, SZSP, whose members had attempted to disrupt protests against the killing. Politically core was dominated by the ideas of Curon and Mishnick. Mishnick believed that the attempts of communist revisionists to reform the party had ended by 1968 in complete failure, and the attempts at constructive engagement with the state by church groups had also failed. Michnik wanted to link reform to the movements from below. Politically, Curon and Michnik were social democrats, but in a country without a parliament and with a government that continued to rule without legitimacy and with violence and the backing of outside force. The threat of Russian intervention limited what the Polish opposition thought it could do. They aimed for an unceasing struggle for reforms that will extend civil liberties, for partial changes rather than violent overthrow of the existing regime. The same force that they believed made revolution impossible, Soviet intervention, also limited what reforms were possible. Huron accepted that the party's control of the state could not be challenged. Poland could not be taken out of the Soviet bloc. Kieron and Michnick thought that the new society-wide movements could reach a stable agreement with the state. The state itself might be willing to accept help, they thought, in order to find an orderly way out of the crisis it faced. As the Corps campaign in defence of the victimised workers became broader and more effective, the government changed course, and on 19th of November 1976 declared Corps illegal. CORE meetings were raided and the state attempted and failed to raise workers' opposition to Corps by petitioning against Corps in the factories. The party then attempted to remove the reason for agitation by announcing an amnesty. By May 1977, only five workers, three from Radom and two from Ursus, were still in jail. Given the original aims of CORE had largely been met, CORE transformed itself into a broader organisation, the Committee for Social Self-Defence, KSS, with the old acronym added at the end in quotes, KSS CORE. They defined their aim as supporting all initiatives aimed at realising human and civil rights. Although the public face of CORE was open and legal, CORE activists helped create an enormous number of Samistat publications. In April 1978, a party meeting was told there were 19 independent publications. In March 1977, the Movement for the Defence of Civil and Citizens' Rights was formed. A more conservative opposition than CORE. The Ministry of the Interior claimed there were 26 so-called anti-socialist organisations in September 1979. These groups included the Society for Academic Courses, TKN, better known as the Flying University, which ran uncensored courses in private homes. An alternative publishing house, NOAA, had published about 100 titles by 1980, including translations of George Orwell and Guntergrass. Four regional peasant committees were founded. The workers' voice. The workers at the Ursus Tractor Factory openly objected to the victimizations at the plant. In a letter dated 4th of November 1976, 889 workers demanded reinstatement to their old posts for the workers victimised following the June events. 67 workers who had been tortured in police custody sent a letter to the Prosecutor-General demanding an investigation into police brutality. Cited in The Origins of Democratisation in Poland by Michael Bernhard. After June 1976, the state slowed the economy, switching production towards consumption in the domestic market. Subsidies continued, estimated at 70% of the retail price by 1977. Workers were hit by an 8% increase in their costs of living in 1978. Half of all families suffered a cut in real income. National income fell by 2% in 1979, industrial production by 5%. Poland's foreign debt stood at $18 billion. By the end of the 1970s, the Polish economic crisis was acute and the state attempted to make the workers pay. Most Polish workers were on piece rates, which meant that when frequent stoppages occurred, because of loss of energy, lack of raw materials or parts, especially from abroad, the workers were those to suffer. In 1978, piece rate quotas were were increased. At some of the shipyards, workers were working 350 hours per month. Managers also manipulated quotas to reduce wages. In industry, there was widespread neglect of health and safety. Robotnik, the worker bulletin, reported in 1978 that 2.8 million poles worked in unsafe conditions. 50% of the women textile workers in Lodge had hearing problems due to noise levels. On the coast, eight workers died building a ship. In 1978, KSS Corps estimated that 180 miners died in accidents. Health benefits were reduced to such an extent that only 15% of the monies collected were health for health was spent. And the government, unable through fear of the working class to increase prices openly, increased them surreptitiously by repackaging goods. A new type of shop, a commercial shop, sold meat marked up at 40-80% to of the normal price. Plans for a KSS core publication, Robotnik, were made in August 1977. The title was taken from a turn-of-the-century underground paper of the Polish Socialist Party. Robotnik's stated goals were solidarity in defence of the workers' interests, support of independent workers' representatives to replace the dead institutions of the trade unions. Robotnik was consciously trying to create worker-intellectual cooperation to create a just and independent Poland. The first issue of 400 copies was four pages, printed on stencil duplicators. The aim was to publish bimonthly. By issue nine, the print one was 3,000. Later, their print technology improved, allowing six type pages to be reduced onto one printed sheet. The print run went up to 10 to 20,000 copies. Activists estimated that each copy was read by between three and five workers, meaning each issue produced after the summer of 1978 reached 30 to 100,000 workers. Each of the four issues produced in July and August 1980 had a print run of 40,000 and Robotnik No. 60, printed at the end of August 1980, ran to 70,000 copies. Robotnik developed a highly efficient distribution system, with 50 distribution centres across Poland. The highest proportion of bulletins went to Gdansk, 15-25%, to and Warsaw, 10%. Robotnik number 35 contained the Charter of Workers' Rights, effectively the first draft of the 21-point charter Solidarność was to demand from the government in August 1980. This issue went through at least three printings between August and December 1979, and at least 100,000 copies were produced in total going to all major industrial centres in the country. The charter was signed by over 100 activists, mainly skilled workers. The charter listed many general grievances and proposed some concrete solutions. Wages, the linking of wages to the cost of living, a minimum wage, abolition of unjustified wage differentials, uniform wage scales across each industry. Hours, an end to forced overtime, a specified number of free Saturdays for all workers. Privilege, an end to privileges for party and police officials, particularly in distribution of apartments, land, cars, medical care, holidays and pensions. The key demand, however, was for independent trade unions. The Charter stated that reforms had been won in the past, but unless the workers had their own organisations, capable of overseeing implementation of the agreements and protect their representatives from victimisation the state and managers would cheat them the charter made a number of suggestions including that workers found their own free trade union committees and a fund for workers victimised for free trade union activity was founded the signatories insisted they were acting legally in line with the ILO conventions which the Polish government had signed in 1956 and the Polish constitution those allowed for the free trade unions and the right to organise and the right to strike Free trade union committees were set up in three areas, Szechezin, Silesia and, most successfully, in Gdansk. The Gdansk organisation, the Committee for Free Trade Unions on the Coast, KZWZZW, took shape around the workers Andrei Gwiazda and Joanna Duda Gwiazda, and an intellectual from Sopot, Bogdan Borisevich. The Gwiazda's flat was used as an organising centre for core in the Gdansk area. Borisavich had become one of the first editors of Robotnik, and his name and address had been printed in the second edition. In October 1977, in February 1978, police broke up an organizing meeting in Borisevich's flat by firing tear gas into the apartment. In May, a Robotnik meeting was raided by the secret police, and nine people were detained. As a result, Blazej, Vyskowsky was sentenced to a tribunal by a tribunal to two months in jail. He began a 33-day hunger strike and student and worker activists issued 15,000 copies of a leaflet protesting against the detention. The committee was able to withstand serious harassment, beatings, arrests and police infiltration because of the widespread support the the opposition carried amongst the working class. The committee's members circulated Robotnik and supplemented it later with their own paper, Worker of the Coast. Both sheets were read by several thousand workers in the Tri-City area. Although the quality of Worker on the Coast was high, and it was dedicated to examination of local issues. The print run might not have exceeded 300. The Committee on the Coast pledged itself to help educate worker activists. Beginning in September 1978, self-education groups were set up. By the time the strikes of August 1980 began, between 1 and 200 workers had completed courses, which included legal rights, dealing with the police, and how to run a strike. Robotnik and other publications consciously allowed worker activists to discuss the lessons from past events. The Committee on the Coast also began to organise commemorations in memory of those workers killed in the December 1970 massacre. Alongside ROPCIO and the Students SKS and KSS Corps, the local Robotnik group worked to build an event on the 16th of December 1977. Despite threats from management at the Lenin shipyard, and the state 1000 people 900 workers and 100 students laid a wreath near gate 2 the site of the murders the next year on 18th of december 1978 4000 attended a similar ceremony despite a roundup of 28 activists in the run up to it in december 1979 200 people were detained in an attempt to stop the event which 5 to 7000 people attended speeches were made by Lech valenza and a cleric father bronislav shroka Valencia had gone into hiding so he could be sure to attend. Marilia Marilia Plonska, a tenants activist, spoke for KZWZZW and stressed the need for working-class solidarity in defence of working-class representatives. Ceremonies were attended by thousands in Kalisz, Kraków, Poznań, Warsaw, Wroclaw and Szczecin. KZWZZW activists began systematically being victimised after december nineteen seventy nine. Firings or transfers in Gdansk at the end of the nineteen seventies were often met with strikes to defend the activists. Joanna Dudek Viazda said later, the general principle was that until workers learned to defend their leaders against repression there would always be very few such people. By leaders I meant those who will be brave enough to openly officially oppose the foreman, the manager on a definite issue. On the sixteenth of december nineteen seventy nine, Workers in W2 and W4 section of the Lenin Shipyard in Gdansk held short strikes in defence of workmates who had been detained. W2 struck on the 31st of December and the 31st of January 1980 in defence of the well-known activist Anna Valentinovich, who was being transferred. Lech Valenza led action in the electro Monetas against sackings of those involved in the commemoration. Importantly for the shape of events that were to come in 1980, the late 1970s saw an emerging alliance of the political working-class opposition and and the Church. Catholic intellectuals participated in core initiatives, and the opposition received encouragement from the Catholic hierarchy. Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski encouraged the opposition to defend the cultural values of the nation. In June 1979, the newly installed Pope John Paul II the 59-year-old former Archbishop of Krakow visited Poland for nine days. It was a triumphant procession through the country, witnessed by six million devout Poles, during which John Paul oblique criticised communist rule, the subjugation of Poland to the USSR, and the lack of freedom for the Church. The contrast between the vastly popular Pope and the unpopular regime was clear.